0: so let's look a little more at um, various aspects of what's involved in the movement of soul making, what's necessary let's look at what's necessary for some of what's necessary for the um, Eros Psyche Logos dynamic to unfold and have its range and its process and correspondingly how that movement and that expansion and deepening and widening can be um, stifled or blocked or diverted, how the movement of Eros can be diverted. And again, why so much? Why are we um, circling around this, weaving in and out of this so much, um, this whole business about the soul-making dynamic and the idea of Eros Psyche Logos (coughs) being stimulated by Eros? Um, we're circling because the ideas are unfamiliar, I think, and because they're new ideas. They are not in circulation um, in in the culture I don't think in certainly not in Dharma culture I don't think in the wider culture either um, and ideas that are new that are unfamiliar that are not in circulation need repeating um, for us we need to chew on them to, to digest them to incorporate them to assimilate them to be able to use them to actually have them be powerful um, uh, so they need that circling, they need the circulation of our reflection in our lives. So not just abstract intellectual reflection, there's there's a level of that, but actually reflection in our lives. So we actually use them, implement them, bring them to bear on our experience um, in life, in relationship, on the meditation cushion, in relationship with with everything, with nature, with whatever we love, etc. And I... I believe, and I, and I hope at least, that um, trying to forge a conceptual framework um, that um, is supportive is actually really in the service of um, o- opening up uh, what the path can be, opening up um, new territories, beautiful territories, important territories. Um, all that is served by having a, a powerful um, conceptual framework as part of the process. <clears throat> so when we talked about the, um, we gave the sort of um, small, loose definition, beginning, provisional definition of Eros, we said it was a desire to, um, to connect, to touch, to contact more. And we can very easily assume that um, there's a limit implicit in touching. Once you've touched, you've touched. Um, you can touch for longer, but once you've touched, you've touched. Once you've touched a whole body or a whole object, you've touched it. Once you've connected, you've connected. And once you contact, uh, you've contacted. So we can easily assume that there's a limit implicit in that. Um, but actually, what we're what we're saying now is that there... Um, it's open-ended, so the words touch, connect, contact. Certainly, words like penetrate um, is open-ended. There's no there's no uh, limit to that penetration necessarily at all, um, or open, or receive. Um, the the beloved other open to and receive uh, the beloved other there's no limit to the opening and to the receiving or know them want to know them more know this more this beloved object this beloved other Um, there's no limit to to these uh, the penetration the depth of penetration the scope of and depth of opening and receiving and knowing so using those words but not implying a limit because we're saying um, that in the process of Eros stimulating and igniting the Eros psychologos dynamic, the mutual expansion, mutual fertilization, etc., the sense of self, the the imaginal self and the imaginal other grow, they expand, they get deeper, they get richer, more complicated, more... um, Potentially, at least. So because both the subject who opens and receives and the object or the other, the beloved other, the erotic object that is penetrated or open to both the subject and the self and the other, grow, potentially, there's potentially no limit to how much penetration or this process of penetration, of opening, receiving, knowing, touching, connecting, contacting, etc., <clears throat> and if we approach it from um from the other angle, we could say uh so eros you know from what we said so far, eros stimulates psyche and logos the imaginal and the idea um or the the concepts involved in in the um sense of the other of the beloved other and also self and all that, looking at it from the other angle and just just as um important and valid, we could say that um Psyche and Logos, image and idea, need to allow eros's further penetration and opening. They need to allow that more aspect of Eros. So <coughs> um, whatever image we have of this uh, erotic object or, or the other, whatever idea, that image and idea need to allow more penetration, more opening. That they need to allow that movement of Eros. Wherever it's at, that process, it needs to have something that allows more. And if it doesn't need it right now, sooner or later it will need it. Um, So what what this implies, again, to state it again, is that the way of looking at images and the way of looking at perceptions is significant. Um, because either it supports um, psyche and logos to allow that further penetration, further opening that eros wants, or it doesn't. Now, actually, um, to, to state again, the way we are using the w- way we are using the word image already includes a way of looking at it that sees it as imaginal. So that is su- supportive to a certain extent, um, or to a certain level. Um, but still that might need to grow. But if we step back a little and just look at this whole uh, notion of ways of looking in relation to soul-making, we can see that certain ways of looking um, not just limit soul-making, but actually dampen it. They put out the fire of soul-making, they um, cause that stream to dry up. Um, In a more watery image, they... um, dissipate the imaginal or dismiss it or reduce it, they they put out the fire of eros. Certain ways of looking will do that. And among those um, ways of looking that kind of, if you like, kill soul-making, some of them um, reduce clinging, and some of them actually increase clinging. Okay, But we can... Differentiate, if you like, three sort of broad directions or kinds of ways of looking, if you like, or views. Um, There is what we might call (coughs) um, a group of views that are realist or flatly humanistic. um, That view, their view of what something that arises um, might be, for example, um, that this is a result of, or this is representing. Um, something that happened in my childhood representing a faculty of my mind, a component um, um, in reducing it in those ways or even more, this is just a result of random uh, neuronal firings, etc so there's a a way that the human being is uh, reduced to a sort of flat uh, kind of modernist, humanist version of what a human being is there, and that will uh, not uh, support soul-making. That kind of view, and the realist, flatly humanist view, will not support soul-making. Second group of ways of looking is ways of looking that actually fabricate less, that lead to less fabrication um, than, uh, than the usual state of consciousness. So, Um, this could be just a little less fabrication, so what we usually call mindfulness in, in, uh, in the traditional sense of the word um, is, is relatively speaking, a degree, a, m- a modicum, of less fabrication than, than usual, or bare attention, or whatever. And then there are other ways of looking which actually fabricate much less, much less than the usual state of consciousness, much less than um, bare attention or mindfulness, and we've touched on those before. They can take you into jhanas or deep states of oneness, and eventually even transcending of all perception, in all uh, conventional experience, in in, in the knowing and the opening to the unfabricated, to non-fabrication, but there's a group of ways of looking that actually um, decrease fabrication. A second group. And a third group we could call um uh, ways of looking at our soul making the soul making perspectives, where um there isn 't this reduction going on we are we are not reducing um, the image or the imaginal perception of something, um, and neither are we dissolving it in in, by, by fabricating perception less. So we're not blurring out into a kind of oneness of white light or deep unfabrication or something like that, nor are we just um, reducing this thing in some kind of psychological explanation or biological explanation or whatever it is. So three groups of ways of looking. Um, actually, and we'll return to this because it's not that simple, actually the relation to... Um, this uh, process of unfabrication, our relationship to it, and our conceptual framework of what's happening when, as we engage ways of looking that fabricate less. So, the relation to that whole process of, le- of fabricating less and the conceptual framework of it. Um, can actually um, become soul-making through the relationship with that and through the idea we have of it. We we will return to that, but just to say it's not so simple, the divisions between these three uh, ways of looking. But broadly speaking, we can delineate three. <coughs> uh, when there is when there has come about, in one way or another, um, in the perception of um, an other, uh, a sense of there is more there, there is more depth here, there is a sense of unfathomability to this object, to this image, to this person that I'm seeing soulfully. Um, uh, There's a sense of, uh, more to move into of, of mystery um, into which a mystery of the other a depth of mystery of the other in the perception of the other into which the eros might expand, might penetrate, might open or to which it might open to then that sense of more that sense of uh, other dimensions even if we don't um, uh, see them clearly, um, that scent actually stimulates Eros. So it's working the other way around. The psyche, the logos, the scent, the perception, stimulates the Eros and inflames the Eros. And what happens there, and again, if you, if you, if you really enter into magical practice, and um, whether it's with, so to speak, purely intra-psychic images or... Um, again, with with someone or something uh, of nature or some person in your life that actually is alive to you as image um, in this soul-making, soulful, beautiful way, um, ways, then um, we get the sense that that other, that object, um, if you like, contains a multiplicity of images. Some of them will be clearly perceived, maybe right now, or maybe we know them from, from before, with our history, with working with this um, object, this person, this image. And some are kind of intuited, you can feel them there, you can sense the presence of other images within this figure, within this person, uh, within within your perception of them. But they're not yet known. There there remain sort of presences intuited, but vaguely intuited, but not known. And and with that, there's a sense of this inexhaustible mystery uh, that can arise, that the depth of soul in this person that I'm beholding, the depth of soul I'm beholding in this person, or in this thing, or in nature. It's like nature in soul. Nature has this... um, Inexhaustible, unfathomability, the m- levels of mystery to it, and and always, then sometimes the the, the 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 intuition, the intimation is that always the unknown is greater than the known. There's always. Um, more to discover because of the, 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 we've learnt about this infinity of of the potential limitlessness of this process. And so we can actually palpably feel or palpably perceive a sense of the, the dimensions and the faces that are, um, not yet known to me, not yet clearly perceived to me will always, so to speak, outnumber the, the ones that are known that have been, um, Beautiful and soul-making to me so far. That sense of inexhaustible mystery stimulates the eros, is itself soul-making. So we can say that eros requires an image, but it also maybe requires, uh, if you like, a region of, um, of what is as yet unknown. So this sense of territory it can move into, of um, a landscape of soul, a world of soul, um, into which eros, uh, or, or our souls can move, so to speak, as we penetrate um, the other, or, or to which we can open. So it needs the image, but also the sense of the, the mystery, the as yet unknown, um, in the image, with the image. And it might, we could even say that the eros generates this very perception, stimulates the image and stimulates the sense of um, some more, some territory beyond uh, this pathos generating a beyond, if you like, that it can then um, enter um, the soul territory, penetrate, open to. <clears throat> now, this infinity, this inexhaustible mystery. Um, in it might be, <coughs> excuse me, of a, a kind of universal nature, as we've touched on before. Very common ones: a universal love, um, and and the, the infinity of that, or the universality of awareness, or even the unfabricated. Sometimes you can actually get the sense of that shining through, or everything, if you like, embodying that in 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 a, in a mysterious way. Um, but the Inexhaustibility that we're talking about here, predominantly, or rather, in addition to those kinds um, of inexhaustibility that are universal. So this <coughs> um, universal awareness shining through is the same in everything, or um, well, the universal love. It's, it's uh, pervasive in the same of, uh, of everything. So this person that I'm beholding is not any different in there, in the way that they. Um, express that they are that, that's the essence of everything. When we're talking about, um, in addition to that kind of perception of of mystery, of unfathomability, and that kind of infinity, there's a different kind of infinity that comes about through this, what, what we've been calling the, the vertical spectrum of the imaginal, the sense of these dimensions, um, uh, if you like, Inhering or, or contained in the beloved other, there is an infinite fecundity, an infinite, um, if you like, uh, number um, of um, theophanies um, in the particulars of that um, uh, of that soul that we're perceiving, of that object that we're perceiving, the infinite fecundity of soul, of theophany, through the particulars. Another way of saying all this, because it's all connected, is that Eros generates this very sense, and then falls in love with it, moves into it, and fills it. so eros has, we've been saying, this tendency, this inclination, this impetus um, within it that um, fertilizes, if you like, that stimulates the, the fecundity or uh, of of the soul and of the mind, um, eros is a cosmogonos. We said uh, gives rise to um, to more more perception of the other dimensions of perception, richnesses, complications, depths and breaths. Um So in the uh, expansion of the eros Psyche Logos there is this um, birthing of cos- cosmoses, if you like. Um, Eros, in this process, this uh, soul-making dynamic, uh, creates or fabricates or discovers, like both, um, more uh, psyche, more image. The um, there's an increase in the range of images, um, o- within this object, and more generally, and um, the perceived facets and dimensions of things, especially um, the the beloved. More mystery and a sense of of depth and dimensionality, etc. <clears throat> so let's let's talk a bit about the logos aspect and um, the necessity of uh, how that grows, uh, or the necessity of that 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 stretching and growing, um, or how it can get limited, um, or in other words, when it supports the Eros-Psyche-Logos dynamic, and when it actually um, inhibits it through, it, through it, it itself being limited, or constrained, or too rigid. <clears throat> so remember, when we're talking about Logos or concept, um, we're not always talking about something conscious. Or something even involving um, actual thought in the mind. Um, It's often operating at a level that's um, what we might call unconscious. Um, Excuse me, we're not aware of the view, the conception, uh, conceptions that are operating. They're subliminal. Usually they're uh, based on assumptions that unwittingly we've absorbed, uh, usually from the culture or some culture, subculture that we're moving in. So, Logos has a broad range. It can involve thinking and an elaborate conceptual framework thought out, or, um, but a lot of the time it, it doesn't involve that at all. We're really talking about something very subtle, woven into perception, of which we're rarely conscious, and rarely have we actually figured out for ourselves, and arrived at by ourselves, more, more we've just been indoctrinated or absorbed it. But when the logos, the concept, the idea of something is um, narr- too narrow or fixed, and it can, can be in many kinds of ways, as we'll explore, but for example, one idea is just um, believing uh, in too, uh, b- believing uh, rigidly in a materialist view of, of things, a physicalist view of things, that things are essentially just matter um, personality consciousness arises out of that out of the genetic makeup and the neural makeup and the conditioning f- um, from the culture affecting the uh, flow of neurons etc um, and matter is just matter um, th- these things trees etc um, or in- inanimate things are, are just matter it's a fundamentally materialist view um then such a view, if it's too tight and too rigidly adhered to, too fixed, it will actually um kind of prevent uh the the imaginal level from kind of blossoming. It will prevent this um fertility of dimensions being perceived and, and born there. Um Maybe something wants to arise, but it just gets dismissed because the view is, well, that's not reality. The thing is just X. And this, this all might be, you know, barely conscious. Um, it's just mater- material. So any view I have, or any sense I might have of something else, just gets kind of aborted um, immediately, or even before it before it reaches any kind of um, uh, birth. Um, and then if there's Eros, and Eros wants more always, we said that more um, because uh, there's only really one dimension operating there. The Logos only allows one dimension, that dimension is the material. That's the only reality. So the the more that Eros wants, um, as we said in its its basic definition, a simple definition, the more is forced. It's forced to look for that more, find that more, Um, only at that one dimension of the material. It's constrained to that that one material dimension. And so it must go, for example, to, to something physical. Where else could it go? Some physical act, and in, in in the realm of sexuality, it must go to the physical act, or um, or maybe it's something else. I need to buy something and make it material, or get more more of this or that um, physical, material things. The, the eros is more the pothos in the eros, the more movement in the eros can only move horizontally at one dimension, one dimension. And then, what happens, for example, um, in relationship or in relationship to could, could be any anything any any other, whether it's a lover or a, a spouse or um, a, a, a physical thing that we um, that we uh, you know wanted and were enamored with um, when when those um, the eros can only go into the physical and, and whatever we can do with this thing physically seen in one dimension when that's exhausted the physical acts are exhausted then what happens? what can the Eros do? the Eros needs fuel maybe the flame gets extinguished without the fuel the flame of Eros just dies out so this can happen um, you know in, in many as one of the possibilities and, and sometimes it can happen more, almost pervasively in a person's life and you can see something was alive in in the childhood and in and through the teenage years and adolescence and and the flame of eros. Um, there, in all, perhaps in all kinds of ways, questioning and aliveness and stretching things. And then maybe in the twenties, or maybe in the thirties, or maybe even the forties or the fifties, something. It's just lost. It's lost fuel. It's not being something. Sometimes in, it's in the logos, in the limitation of ideation, that um, does not give enough f- um, fuel for the for the eros, and and the flame is extinguished. Or maybe, as I said, it goes, it's forced out. For instance, I'm in in this um, relationship or w- with a marriage or something, and um, I'm only seeing it one, one dimensionally, um, and and so. Or, or, or the dimensions are very limited. Let's put it that way. Um, in terms of who is this person? Um, wh- wh- how rich? How deep are they potentially to me? Maybe they're not just material. But maybe they have a certain, you know, um, kind of interiority that we grant. Um, people in their sort of psychological complexity in the sort of typical modernist view but the dimensions are limited and then then what happens if there's Eros once more where does it go? it has to maybe go to other partners I have to find someone else because I can only go at one dimension I can't go deeper into this beloved there is no deeper I disallow it the Logos disallows it so I go looking elsewhere or maybe there's some other area in my life uh, where, where I go and I, I don't know, take up this or that, something. And maybe that's an area where, where the Logos actually allows a certain expansion, maybe. So that maybe it's rich. Or maybe it just goes again into acquiring material things. So there was this thing and I was enamored with it. But because that thing, whatever it is, um, uh, I, I don't know, a possession, a house, even, you know, um, it's only one-dimensional, can only really be one-dimensional, then I need to acquire something else. I need to acquire um, material things or status or something. The more um, can only move uh, on one-dimensional, very limited dimensions. There's no vertical depth, other dimensions for it to expand into. I wonder about something just thinking about this, I wonder about something like um pornography or pornography addiction and stuff like that. And and um um I, I, I don't I don't know, it's not I, I've actually never been into to pornography, but um but I wonder whether again, part of what sometimes happens there is um that there is um one one is caught the person engaging in that um, is caught in 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 a limited dimensionality, um, just seeing um, matter in a very flat way, um, or perhaps there's a split. Between where other dimensions are alive in their in their life, and and there's a sort of spirituality, but there's a split between spirituality and sexuality. So that in relation to sexuality, it's not spiritual. It doesn't have the possibility of of feeling, sensing, perceiving, knowing, um, conceiving other dimensions within sexuality. So there's a split. And you know, I wouldn't want to uh, speculate, but um, again one one wonders about you know a, a, abuse within within uh, the church and the clergy where people are uh, y, y, you know sometimes um spiritual teachings that do divorce the sexual from the spiritual in in ways that don't allow a dimensionality in relation to sexuality or the person just has a materialistic view in the, in the first place a one dimensional view so all this you know Pornography feels soulless. Why? Well it is. In in our language it is. It's exactly that. It feels soulless because it is soulless. Um, meaning it has there's no possibility there for the imaginal. Uh, there's lots of possibility for the imaginary, but no possibility for the imaginal, for the sense of dimensionality, of depth, of mystery in the body, in the beauty, in the sexuality, etc. There is really an objectification in in the sense of um, narrowing down this or that object or other um, to just one dimension. There is an absence of soul, a poverty uh, of psyche, a poverty of image. And when that's the case, then we get um, what we might call greed. It's got nowhere to move, no, no, no depth in which to move. It may, again, I, I don't know, and I'm, part of this is just kind of wondering out loud, but um, it may be that someone who's into pornography, um, uh, it, it, you know, that there, there isn't an absence of meta there. So I'm thinking of uh, actually two, two, two people, stu- students who shared with me there, uh, what, they would term pornography addiction, and both of them had quite a a degree of of kindness and metta. So it's not an absence of metta. Um, But something is um, blocked in the Eros-Psyche-Logos dynamics, blocked from its its, um, natural inclination to expand, blocked by some kind of logos that either just sees one-dimensionally or doesn't allow... um, Spirituality or dimensionality into 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 me and to infuse the sense uh, of sexuality and physicality. Uh, So we could say, in other words, um, with with something like pornography, there's uh, maybe there's um, no uh, psyche or logos. beyond a one-dimensionality with respect to the other, certainly with respect to self, or the world, with respect also to the Eros itself. So that fourfold um, self, other, world, Eros, that fourfold sort of confluence or co-constellation, the Psyche and Logos with respect to each and all of them um, is, is limited to, one, to being one-dimensional and to being reified. It is this. This is the truth i am like this etc uh, sexuality is like this whatever so that in our in our language the small um definition of eros the the initial impetus if it's there if it's there if that's moving in a person um uh, if they have a lot of uh, libido and life force and there is that eros um that the Logos and and the Psyche won't allow um, uh, the the Eros Psyche Logos to to expand. And it goes, perhaps, um, if it's there, it will go just into some kind of greed or pleasure-seeking, etc. It has to stay at that one level. Limited. Now, actually, we could say any prioritizing of um, one dimension or level of being, existence, perception, any shrinking of that vertical spectrum of the imaginal, whether it's to you know so-called purely material level, um, in the way that uh, modernism kind of conceives of it um, or senses it, or whether it's even uh, some other kind of elevated, um, ethereal, almost disembodied level or whatever, um, any prioritizing or shrinking of to down to one dimension or level of that vertical spectrum of the imaginal, um, and a belief with that, this or that level is what's really real, any of that will limit soul-making. It's the openness of the sense of multidimensionality that soul making that um, uh, encourages, support, stimulates soul making, and conversely, soul making opens up that sense of multidimensionality. As always, there's a mutual dependence there. I think as we're talking, um, and I think I might have said this before, we can get the sense that eros. Psyche, Logos, we can talk of them as if they're three um, almost like separate things that come into interaction and mutual insemination, etc. Or we can just, just as well say they're facets of, of three facets of one um, dynamic, of one process, of, 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 of three facets of soul-making. And this soul-making can be, um, and these three facets, they can they can be open uh, and creative, or, or they any of those three, the eros, the Psyche, Logos, could be constricted somehow. And then, when any of them is constricted anyhow, it, it can hinder or um, uh, uh, block the whole movement of the soul making. So the whole process, the whole dynamism, um, gets stuck. The whole dynamic gets stuck at some at some point, at some stage, rigidified, ossified, blocked, cramped so there's there's so many possibilities here but for instance um what happens again in in relationship um with with a beloved if uh, any any kind of beloved um if the logos the idea the conception of what a human being is generally in which case what this person is um is limited either as a psychologically uh um you know it was li- limited in in the in the in the way that sort of a lot of modern psychotherapy might might uh consider a person they uh certainly they're complex certainly they're a result of um, past conditioning and family influences and cultural influences and and all that um, so it's a view, and we acknowledge and we feel nowadays with modernism a certain interiority, as I mentioned before, um, to, to what a human being is, that a human being has, um, that perhaps they, in, in, in many cases they didn't have, um, that sense, um, at other, other times in history. But still with all that, even with that kind of interiority, even with that kind of psychology, um, Freud psychology or Where? anything that came out of that, or a lot of modern psychotherapy, there's still um, often, not always, but often there's a kind of limit to the logos of what a human being is, and that, that can function as a block on this soul, as a, as a limit. It limits the soul-making, um, the soul-making movement, the soul-making uh, growth uh, and expansion. Or it might be just the idea of this particular individual. Uh, I have a limited, fixed idea of who or how they are. Or my idea, my logos, my conceptual framework that's operating um, of um, relationship. Or um, of eros, what eros is. Or of sex and sexuality Um, and that movement. Uh, I have a limited idea. I say it's just, um, even... um, uh, whatever it is, you know, might be, I, I, sex is, is um, actually one one of these um, students who, who, um, who uh, said, considered himself to have a pornography addiction would, would said to me, you know, sex is just, um, is just biological instinct, just biological instinct. It's a certain limited logos of what sex is. Um, but even ones that sound like they're um, more generous and richer and more heartful, sex is the expression of love, or the sexual um, uh, impulse is is, the imp- is a spiritual impulse towards union. All, all all of them may have some validity, but when it's limited in that way, um, that too func- can function, that, that limited idea is a limited Logos. Or in relation to, and that will limit the soul-making possible. Or in relation to, uh, to sex, you know, this is how it should be. Some idea of how sex should be, um, which would include then a clinging to an idea or an image, a self-image of uh, the, the psyche there of of my sexuality, like how I. Um, how I am sexually my sexual identity and that maybe have got um, narrowed down or rigidified in all kinds of ways all kinds of ways along um, you know character or performance or, or all kinds of stuff um, but there the logos or the, the image the psyche um, in regard to my sexuality is has become rigid or limited or both. And then again, the eros actually is hindered. The eros, in its its um, wish to expand, actually gets hindered, blocked. <coughs> um, so you can see, you know, how how many maybe perhaps almost I- I- infinite ways um, the the eros psychologus dynamic can can get blocked and limited. Perhaps we could say that it's infinite. Whether it's um, basically either from, uh, because of the Eros being hindered, or the Psyche, or the Logos, or some combination of those, the um, permutations um, individually are are infinite perhaps. So we could also, for instance, cling to the image of another, certain image we have of another, and we, we neglect to see, we fail to see that this image that I have of this, um other is is um is dependent on my way of looking we, we believe and we act and we um assume that the way we're seeing them the image we have of them is independent of, of the way of looking that one one is employing at any time there's a reification of that image or again of, of marriage marriage is this we have a certain image of what marriage is or a certain logos of what marriage is, and all this can um, prevent, in different ways, stifle and and um, <clears throat> limit the uh, the the expansion, the the deepening, the widening, the fertilizing of the soul making. Now, of course, in in an actual relationship with another, um, the uh, Soul making in a relationship, or the for the relationship to be um, a fertile field um, of, of for soul making, for the continuing fire of the eros in that relationship between the two there, or in a community or whatever, um, it it needs a, a basis in um, actuality. So it, it of course it needs a basis in. Taking care of our communication, you know, really um, making sure um, the communication is is skillful and supportive and helpful and um, uh, caring. It needs a basis in kindness, in love. We need to voice love, express love, express appreciation. And without that kind of basis the the soul making dynamic will will found it won 't have enough basis i mean generally speaking uh, again it will be it will be limited without that basis in kind of um, uh, at another level if if you like but sometimes other things happen in relationship or are blocked in relationship sometimes the eros of one partner is um it has, has a depth to it and a fire to it that is not matched by the other it has an aliveness to it um, that is an arranged to it that is not matched by the other partner uh, the spark and the fullness of the Eros um, either is just inherently not matched they're just different personalities or in, in one of the partners um, the Eros is blocked So it's actually there somehow, but for different reasons, it can be very complex, and the eros is actually blocked. So one partner is actually, um, their eros is flowing and the flame is burning um, and very alive, and the other, it's just not, and there's a mismatch. And... um, Sometimes what happens is the, the Logoi and, and the Logos and the Psyche, the, the ideation, the concepts and the images um, that perhaps were shared, um, the, the ideas about life, about relationship, about, about being, the ideas and images um, that were shared no longer overlap perhaps there wasn't there isn't enough overlap to start with and so there's not enough fuel for the mutual eros to burn it can't really go anywhere with that so the eros again gets limited gets stifled uh, doesn't have the opportunity to grow or you know again for, for really really for all kinds of reasons something in him Something in her, um, in the relationship. Again, I don't have to make it um, as if it's objectively existing or not existing in them, but something in her, in him or her in this relation, in this relational constellation, in this perception, in this uh, dependent co- arising of the relationship. Something in him or her doesn't allow. Um, the deepening of the psyche, the deepening of the imaginal dimension in relationship to him or her. They can no longer, there's a limit to how, how my sense of their soul doesn't open into more mystery, more dimensionality, more depth. And it's complex. Psycholo- the psychology here is complex um, um, in, in relation to all this, and in, in relation. You know, why that happens um, so that there's a limitation on this eros psychologos dynamic. You know, let's make it clear. When, when we talk about Logos, when we talk about ideas or concepts, um, by nature, their nature is to, to, to limit. They define and delineate. Um, that's the nature of ideas. That in itself is not a problem. We touched on this a little bit, sort of obliquely, in an earlier talk. But that's the nature of Logoi, of concepts, of ideas, is they limit, they delimit, and they define, and they delineate. No problem, that's just how they function. The problem, from a soul-making perspective, um, is, is when the limit of a Logos is reached with respect to... The sense of the other, with respect to the idea of the other, of self, of world, of humans in general, of, um, of the soul, of psyche, um, of eros itself, of divinity, with respect to any of that, when a certain logos that's in place, um, when the limit of that is reached, and it doesn't allow the ongoing expansion or deepening of the soul-making dynamism. Dynamic, um, and when the limit is inflexible, so it reaches just like hitting a wall, and the wall will not shatter because it's just entrenched. This idea, this whatever this idea is, and it won't stretch, so that it won't stretch or shatter to allow more um, space or more territory for the play of this dynamic of eros, uh, psyche, logos, uh, playing together, soul making, fecundity, and fertilization. There's just um, something wants to expand, but it, 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 the limit is is uh, reached. So it's not the fact that um, ideas, Logoi, concepts are limited and limiting by the nature. That's not the problem, because that's always the case. By right? That's how they work, as I said. Really what's at stake here, what the issue is, is... Where is the soul's process right now in relation to the limits of the concepts and ideas, the Logoi that are, that are in place? Where is my soul-making process at, that intermingling um, of, of image and eros and and ideation, in in relation to the the limits that are in place of the Logos. What is the um, expanse that's created by my conceptual structure? Do I still have more, does the soul, if you like, in the soul-making process, still have more room um, within the, the, the limits, the playground, created by a certain conceptual structure, conceptual framework, a certain Logos? Or, or have I already filled it? Has the soul already um, explored uh, that whole territory, the whole, um, that whole playground, and, and needs to expand. It wants more, and, and then more cannot be provided by the limits of that playground? So that's really um, the, 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 the question at any moment in time. Not so much even what the Logos is, or how it relates to someone else's Logos, or uh, anything like that. It's really a question of um, relative pacing, if you like, of expansion. Between the different elements, if you like, of the soul-making process. If the, the image wants to expand and the Eros wants to expand, the Logos is limiting it, that's a problem if it wants to expand beyond what the logos can can allow. So with all this, you know, I hope you're getting the sense when we talk about logos or concept or idea, we're not talking about something abstract. Um, uh, in a way that's kind of irrelevant, a- abstract. The word "abstract" actually means to remove, to to ab from, track to, to take from, to remove. So it's like we're not talking about something um, removed from life, removed from perception and experience and embodiment and living. Um, and again, we're all we're talking about something that's always operating. So certainly, a concept, an idea, a logos can be abstract, um, and in In terms of practice, when we talk about ways of looking in meditation, whether it's to do with emptiness and dependent arising, or whether it's to do with soul making, we need to actually, we're talking about practicing, entertaining different concepts, different conceptual structures, different logoi, in ways that actually flow into, actually inform, actually shape a way of looking, so that they can be soul-making. So we're not talking about just thinking something sort of intellectually um, uh, in, in a way that doesn't come into the way of looking, in a way that actually affects uh, one's life. So sometimes, th- this is a really important point, and um, sometimes people don't get the connection here. Why Why? Why? are you talking so much about ideas and that? Um, and and actually find it hard to um to bring an idea into uh to bear on on the actual sensing and seeing and embodiment and life and perception so we can't just assume that um they do because it might just be, uh, we're just entertaining this idea abstract, we're just listening, ah, oh, it's very interesting, fascinating. Um, but it's not actually, we need a way to bring an idea into in uh, uh, to, to the world, to, to, our, to the world that we live, to, in, in the way that we live it, to the perception. Ideas are there anyway, as I said, what we're interested in is this flexibility of um, concepts and ways of looking and plugging them in, moving between them, um, again, in ways that make a difference. So when we talk, really what I mean by all this is not so much the abstract Logoi, but the Logoi, the Logos, the concepts that are actually lived, that are alive. If they're unconscious, can I make them conscious? And if they're stuck, can I bring in new ones and fresh ones and develop that flexibility? So we're talking about the the concepts that are lived, that are alive, that are embodied, um, and that actually involve and affect the heart and the experience and the perception. And uh, even even more than that, you know, I would add... um, (coughs) Uh, playing with different ideas and conceptual frameworks and actually entertaining them in this way that I'm talking about in the perception in the experience and and more than that creating them forging them as we're doing now this process both the flexibility of entertaining them but also um, building new ones that um, that is soul making that process of engaging with the creativity of conceptuality, of I- idea, of mind, um, is itself part of soul-making. It stimulates soul-making. It supports um, the inflaming of the eros and, and the, the increase of the psyche. And you can see um, how much idea, comes in ideation, comes in um, to, to our lives. So, for instance, um, faith, you know, is a certain ideation, we we could say, um, and, and the many different kinds here. But, for example, in relation to um, some personal difficulty that's arisen in my life or that I might be going through, or some... <clears throat> pattern I have or, um, in the personality that 's difficult or something that befalls my body or me, and the idea the logos that it is somehow necessary to soul it 's an idea or that it somehow has divine roots that it mirrors something divine. these are ideas um, and but if I can plug them in, just play with that a little bit, they make uh, the experience. Um, rich, they make the personal difficulty, they give it um, depth and dimensionality, they make it feel necessary um, they they make it imaginal and eventually divine. so logos affects perception, affects the image, the lived image we have of what we deal with ourselves and and the things that befall us and make make up make ourselves up. And then something interesting, because you know we talk a lot in the Dharma of relating to this pain or that pain or this difficulty or that difficulty with metta, metta to myself who has to go through this, um, has to bear this, um, metta even to the phenomenon of the pain. Talked about that on different retreats. But there's the possibility of not just metta, but of eros then in relationship to the difficulty. There's the possibility that this sense of the difficulty is enriched, given dimensions, etc. It doesn't just um, fade. I don't just hold it in kindness, and it doesn't just, I don't just find ways of looking at it that it fade, all, all of which is really valid. But there's also a sense of eros in relationship to one's own um, personal difficulties and the difficult events of, of one's existence, of one's life. So we talked about Amor Fati on the (coughs) re-enchanting retreat, the poetry of perception, the love of one's fate, uh, and what allows that, what allows that to actually be a lived and and heartfelt, soul-felt experience. (coughs) We could say, um, in relation to anything, anything at all, In relation to anything, um, a view that um, reduces it, uh, say psychologically, a view of psychological reduction um, won't uh, lead to soul-making. Or will lead to a very limited kind of soul-making and very limited then expansion of the sense of sacredness um, in life but in relation to that thing. It still may be very helpful. Know, psychological reductionism, other kinds of reductionism, can still be very helpful um, very helpful in relation to this or that difficulty, it won't lead to soul making, won't lead won't allow, because of the reductionism um, of the view there of the logos it won't um, support this, this expansion this growth, this organic and potentially limitless growth unless um, the very uh, psychological difficulties we have and the obstacles we have and the personal difficulties and the difficult um, events in our life or um, things that before us unless they too are seen as images unless they become imaginal so the very psychology itself and the difficulty itself become images or the logos that sees them sees allows them to become images then they become re-enchanted I think Catherine's talk was called reenchanting Dukkha it needs this needs to become the very Dukkha the Logos that I have of it needs to somehow um, either in the Logos of the thing itself I'm not psychologically reducing it or uh, I am considering it psychologically but then that whole psychology has its other levels of of mirroring uh, necessity of soul and divine purpose, etc. In you know, other words, what happens in my childhood, what happens in my life, the journey that I am, uh, if you like, um, guided into, um, constrained into by the circumstances of my life, that also is given other imaginal dimensions. Then yes, this thing might be uh, a result of my psychology expressing that, but the whole thing has another imaginal dimension. The Dukkha is re-enchanted. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.